Hi everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast as well as editor-in-chief here uh, for the Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast powered by SB Nation. And coming to you here, uh, what is this, January 20th, I, I guess, 1920th, Um I'm losing track. Uh, we're moving along so quickly this season, but a lot going on in the Big Ten. It's been a little bit since I got a chance to podcast here uh, about the conference, where things sit, where they might be going. few things I want to hit on, and then we're going to have a guest join us, uh, Brian Fonseca from NJ.com, to chat about Rutgers and you know, obviously the, the remarkable turnaround for the Scarlet Knights over the last couple of years, and in particular this season. But obviously big, big last couple of weeks. Chaos everywhere in the Big Ten. Nobody seems to have any idea what to expect uh, on a general basis. It's It's been pretty wild, but um, a few big thoughts, uh, and and we'll get into some, some NCAA tournament talk as well. Um, the one thing is, you know, this is something we've talked about all year on this podcast. It's something that has been covered relentlessly, so I apologize for diving into it again, but we do need to highlight just how good this league is this season. Big Ten rated as the strongest conference in the country by Ken Palm. Frankly, I don't think it's close. I think you have 10 teams that are absolutely legitimate, solid to good to great type of squads. The only teams that I, I think are, are weaker this season are Nebraska and Northwestern. Obviously, both those teams have struggled in terms of win-loss record, but also just they, they both suffered some some pretty rough losses in the non-conference. But other than those two, I mean, you have 12 teams that are all good, that are all more than capable at, as of, again, I, be, I believe it's January 20th, but as of January 20th, uh, sorry, I don't have my calendar on me. I apologize. But as of January 20th, there are 12 teams in the Big Ten that you could reasonably say have a shot to make the NCAAs. And I think if you look at any bracketology post out there, any of those sites, they absolutely are all given realistic odds of, of making it in. Now, with that said, and, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but getting 12 teams into the tournament is would be exceedingly difficult. I think it would take some really fortunate bounces for the league as a whole. I, I think you'd have to see some some a lot of craziness down the stretch. But with that said, I mean, obviously, the uh, you have 12 teams that have a shot to make it in. I think the Big Ten is easily, easily going to look at eight, if not more, teams, which would be pretty crazy. I mean, to have more than half your league, you know, for a conference as big as the Big Ten, making it into the big dance would be pretty wild. And I don't believe we, we've seen that recently, uh, at least any time in the last couple of years. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I believe we get, I believe the Big Ten got seven in a few years back, but that that would be pretty wild to, to get eight, nine, ten teams in. Maybe they get lucky and, and have even more than that. But Really, the conference is so, so deep this year. And what that has resulted in is there just are no easy games. I mean, you look at anybody's schedule. I know uh, I posted my power rankings here uh, last night, but one of the things I, I said in the power rankings is, is the fact that you know Michigan State, if you look in terms of strength of schedule, uh, during the conference play, you know, most teams have played, you know, five, six, seven games, something like that. Uh, 
Michigan State's strength of schedule is actually the weakest in the Big Ten. And then you actually look at what they've played with the weakest of the Big Ten. I mean, they've played Michigan, they've played Wisconsin, they've played at Purdue. Uh, a lot of challenging, I mean, they hosted Illinois at home, Minnesota at home. A lot of challenging games. And if that was almost any other year, I think that schedule would be one of the toughest ones uh, in the league. But because the conference is so deep, there's so many challenging games, you don't get those same off nights, so to speak. You can't circle four or five games on the schedule and say, we're going to win these for sure. That's just not the way the league is this year. And, you know, that's good for uh, fans of the conference as a whole. Not so good if you're a fan of the team that's playing the schedule, I guess, individually. But it's made for a lot of exciting games. It's made for a lot of close contests. And ultimately, it's made for what I think most Big Ten fans have realized, which is the home teams are absolutely dominating this season. To be honest, I tweeted this out over the weekend. I think a little bit has to do with uh, some officiating issues. Um, the home teams are, are getting really favorable whistles, it seems like, this year. Maybe I'm wrong. I know somebody had uh, who follows me tweeted out some of the stats on it. I retweeted it if you're interested. Um, I don't have those offhand. I apologize, but... The Big Ten teams, I I do think, are getting a favorable home whistle. However, with that said, I think the bigger reason why the home teams are dominating is just there's so many good teams. I mean, good teams rarely lose at home, and it's just it's really hard. Unless you are a nationally elite team, just a phenomenal team, beating teams you know in the top 25, in the top 30 on Ken Palm on the road, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, you can go look back uh, to some of the best teams last year, and they had a lot of trouble in those games on the road. It, this is not something that's unique to this year. The only thing that's unique is the Big Ten has way more of those teams that are in the top 25, in the top 30 on Ken Palm, and I think what it's resulting is is this ridiculous home record for home teams this year. Nobody's winning on the road. The only road wins that people are getting are against Nebraska and Northwestern for the most part so far. And I, frankly, I think that's something you're going to see continue moving forward. I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams winning on the road with any consistency this year. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make for some absolutely insane Big Ten standings when we get to March because I think everybody's going to be stuck around 10 and 10 or something like that uh, because it's so tough to win on the road this year. But generally speaking, that's that's kind of how you, I think you have to look at it. Is you, you, you got to accept you know it's going to be tough for for everybody to win on the road. Um, and I think two great examples of this so far are two of the teams that I think a lot of people are being pretty hard on right now, which are Michigan and Ohio State. Wolverines have, have dropped a bunch here over the last couple of weeks. I think they're like 3-6 and six over the last nine games or 4-6 and six over the last ten, something like that. Obviously have, have lost a lot of games recently. I think 3-4. of four. Ohio State struggling mightily. They were up at number one on Ken Palm uh, in late November, early December, sometime around there, and they're all the way down to 13th now. They've, I think they're 13th in the Big Ten standings in terms of win-loss record. Obviously something that nobody expected considering how the Buckeyes started the season uh, with that hot, hot start. But both of these teams have, you know, they're on tough streaks here. There's no debating it. The last month or so, both of them have struggled a lot, but when you actually look through the games on a game-by-game basis, 
there really aren't that many where you can sit back and say, oh, that's, you know, that's a bad loss. You should have won that game. Things of that nature. You really can't do it. And, you know, for example, if you look at Michigan's losses, just the Wolverines, um, again, we know they're struggling. I think they're they're down to like 11 and 6 or something like that now uh, after these recent losses. But these six losses this season, five of them have been away from home against teams ranked 36 or better on Ken Palm. So basically, uh, I believe... <laughs> I think it's Minnesota is 36, and I apologize. I, I should have had my computer in front of me. Uh, yeah, our very professional podcast, I guess. But I believe it's it's either Minnesota or Illinois. Um, I don't have the Ken Palm ratings up here at the moment, but one of the two is 36. I believe it's Minnesota. I'm pretty confident it's Minnesota. But they lost. Michigan lost on the road against Minnesota by a slim margin. Illinois, even that game was relatively competitive for the most part. That is the worst loss they've had this season in terms of Ken Palm rating. And most people would say in a given season, oh, you lost on the road against the top 40 team? No big deal. And just shrug their shoulders and move on. And for Michigan, that's every other loss has been to a higher rated team. Uh, you know, they're losing on the road to Michigan State or Iowa on Friday, who's now 15th on Ken Palm. So, um, and then, of course, the, the sixth loss, for those wondering, is against Oregon at home in double overtime. A Ducks team that looks really, really good, poised to make a, a nice run in March. So, I mean, those are your six losses for Michigan, and yet they've fallen in the conference standings so much because the league is just that tough this year. And Ohio State, similar thing. I mean, they lost to a good West Virginia team. They lost to a good Wisconsin team, good Maryland team, the, these kind of opponents, and yet the losses add up because the margin for error is just so small in this year's Big Ten. But I think for a lot of teams, you got to expect that moving forward. I know in our uh, on the guest interview here on the podcast later on um, with Brian, we talked about Rutgers, about how their schedule is going to get tougher moving forward, mainly that they're going to have to go on the road more. And I think you're going to see the Scarlet Knights struggle more with having to play away from home. I mean, that's just how I, I feel like this season's going to go for most teams. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's it's really exciting night-to-night basis. You don't know what's going to happen for the most part. But that's, that's how I see it. I think you're going to see a lot of teams all jumbled up in the middle of the conference standings. And it's going to end up, we're going to have a wild Big Ten tournament. That's I think that would be obvious for most people. But, I mean, you're going to see some fantastic matchups in frankly probably day one of the Big Ten tournament which I don't think we've ever had before so that that will be exciting um, as far as the what I expect going forward in terms of the conference title race and in terms of that sort of stuff I do still think Michigan State is the best team in the league the Spartans I think have been the most consistent part of that as I mentioned has been a pretty favorable schedule by this year's standards, again, you got to keep everything in context, but uh, they have the weakest strength of schedule in terms of conference play so far for Michigan State, so I'm expecting things are going to get a little harder this week. They're going to get a couple tough road games, um, including a trip to Bloomington, so it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State does. Their last road outing was that blowout loss to Purdue, so can Michigan State improve on that? Can they do more on the road? You know, 
we'll wait and see. But as of now, I, I think Michigan State's in great shape to win the league. I think they're in great shape to enter March with a, a really nice seed. So I think Michigan State is your number one team. After that, I know a lot of people have said, you know, Maryland's the, the second best team in the Big Ten this year, you know, based on their resume, et cetera. I think for seeding purposes, Maryland probably is the second best team. But in terms of conference standings and where I see things moving forward, I'm not convinced Maryland is is the second best team. I think, frankly, it's a jumble. I, I don't think there is a clear second best team right now. And even Michigan State, as we mentioned, you know, when the schedule gets tougher, we may Michigan State may not even be head and shoulders uh, above anybody else. I don't know. I think the Spartans will end up winning the league, and I, I think they'll do it by a a game or two. We'll see. But everybody else, I, I think, is right in the mix. Teams 2 through uh, probably 12, all the way down to, again, teams like Indiana, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, who are struggling right now. I think all of those teams are very much in the conversation for the second spot. Whether that actually happens or not, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I I believe Illinois is second in the standings as of uh, Sunday night, but I think I don't think any of those teams are clearly head and shoulders above the rest. I think any of them can beat each other, and we've sort of seen that. They all beat each other on at home, and they all lose to each other on the road. So um, it's really going to be who can win on the road. They're going to be the ones who end up second in the standings. So we'll see. Um, my power rankings this week, I had Iowa at number two for what it's worth. I believe I had Maryland at three. But... Again, I, I don't see any significant divide between any of these teams. I think you're going to see a lot of them move up and down basically based on the schedule. Do they play at home? Do they play on the road? But it should be fun to watch. We'll see. We'll see who kind of moves up and down. And then, of course, as I mentioned, uh, the two bottom teams, Nebraska and Northwestern, I think the postseason barring a run in the Big Ten tournament is over at this point. I think it's mainly just build momentum, particularly for the Cornhuskers who, uh, you know, first year head coach, need to get some momentum going into next season. So it'll be interesting to see what Hoiberg and his staff can do there in Lincoln during the offseason. But uh, it kind of looks like a lost year for Nebraska. And you do wonder, the Huskers have been really dangerous at home so far. You know, they picked off Purdue. Um, they've they've really came close a couple of times to pulling off an upset I know on Saturday almost did it against Indiana they're going to be a dangerous out going forward because again they're one of these two bottom teams except I think they're a lot tougher at home than Northwestern is we'll see maybe that changes in the weeks to come but that's kind of how I see it and the question will be is who who are they going to pick off because that's going to be a damaging resume loss if any of those top 12 teams lose in Lincoln you know obviously Purdue did and I think you can look at Purdue in the bracketologies and see that they have some work to do so it'll be interesting um but they're they're going to be the danger team moving forward how many upsets can they pull off uh Northwestern we'll see I would imagine they're going to pull off an upset or two down the stretch but we will see um so yeah that's kind of how i see the conference sitting at the moment that's kind of how i see the standings sitting at the moment um things to watch moving forward i I really you know i don't want to repeat myself over and over again but i think it's really going to be you know who can win on the road who can do it consistently nobody so far has done it consistently in the big 10 i think you can argue the wisconsin might have done the best on the road out of anybody so far Michigan State's only played twice on the road in conference play. 
They beat Northwestern. They lost to Purdue. So we don't really know. The Spartans will get uh, two tests this week, including that Indiana road game. So it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State does. But if Wisconsin can continue to at least hold its head above water on the road, I think the Badgers are going to move up the standings pretty quickly, as I mentioned, just because I don't think a lot of teams are going to be capable of getting those road wins this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really interesting to see. But I think that's the big thing, the biggest thing to watch. And then the second thing is, is um, and it's more, it, it sort of spins out of that, but do any of these top teams sort of take a step away from the pack? Michigan State has to an extent, but again, we, we've talked about that schedule. They have the, they've had a very favorable draw. Does that change moving forward? I don't know. I would anticipate they're going to drop some more games because they're going to have to play on the road, but you know, is is that true? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know yet. What I will say though is that if is somebody going to pull away, or are we sort of just going to have this round robin of everybody beating everybody uh, and this sort of this mess? Because it leads me to my next area, which is sort of the bracketology breakdown. Where do I see things going, etc.? Because I think we have a handful of teams that have moved themselves into really comfortable position right now to get into the tournament and to get in with a decent bid. But, but part of that equation kind of depends on them holding their head above water. If everybody keeps losing on the road, the, the records aren't going to look that impressive. Uh, if that makes sense, you know, if everybody's sitting at 10 and 10 in league play, you're going to hear a lot of criticism nationally about putting in so many Big Ten teams. That's my, that's my guess. So, one of my one of my other big things watching moving forward. We'll see. You never know until we get to Selection Sunday and that final week of conference tournaments and and all that stuff. But how is the Big Ten going to be evaluated? I think this is going to be a really interesting test case because. We haven't had these 20-game conference slates for very long. Uh, the ACC, I, I, I believe the ACC has it, but not many conferences have this 20-game slate, and we don't have a ton of data on how the committee is going to evaluate this, especially in relation to the net, which is also pretty new. So it's going to be interesting to see <clears throat> Excuse me, how is the Big Ten going to be evaluated when you have so many teams stuck in the middle? Because you're going to have... A, you should have a lot of Big Ten teams around that 18 to 21 win mark. Um, generally, that that's been enough to get in. But what if you're a little lower? And to me, a team that or two teams that really stand out right now are Minnesota and Ohio, or not Ohio State, Wisconsin. Minnesota and Ohio. Why do I keep saying Ohio State? Minnesota and Wisconsin, the Gophers and Badgers, both of them. Their overall records are not very impressive. They don't have a ton of wins. I think in most years, if we were sitting here in late January looking at their overall records, we would say they have a lot of work to do. However, they've both played tough schedules. They both have some really nice wins already on their resumes, and I don't think you can exclude either of those right now from the conversation. But what happens if... You know, we reach the end of the season and they don't have that raw win total, but you see, you know, the strength of schedule. You see they've knocked off, 
you know, some really solid teams at home. I know Minnesota's beat Michigan, Ohio State at home. Um, Wisconsin, they won at Ohio State. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, the Buckeyes are sort of in a tailspin right now, so maybe that win isn't as big <laughs> in a couple months, but it, it's hard to tell at the moment. But I'm going to be really interested to see how the Big Ten is sort of evaluated at season's end because I think it's a down year for the ACC. I think the Big 12 is not as strong as it's been in years past. And I will say I do think the Pac-12 is a little bit stronger uh, than it has been for the last couple years. The SEC is still kind of what it's been. A couple good teams, a lot of meh. But there's an opportunity, I think, if the Big 10, if the right teams win the right games, so to speak, if they get that favorable analysis, I think there's a real chance a lot of these teams could get in based on the strength of schedule argument, but I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, I'm uncertain about it. I know a lot of other people are in the bracketology community because it's really hard to evaluate. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen a conference with 12 teams that are all legit like this. I mean, 12 teams that are all solid and in just about any other season you would be seriously saying they're all bubble teams they all have a shot to get in but they all have to play each other so it's going to be interesting my strong suspicion is one or two of these teams I don't want to say are going to nosedive but I think the schedule is going to wear on them you know maybe they get a tough injury maybe they lose a couple close ones at home but I think a couple of these teams are going to sort of move away from the pack in the wrong direction and I think that's going to clear up a lot of this chaos however you know I probably would have said the same thing a month ago and it hasn't happened so we'll see moving forward but overall it's an exciting time for the Big Ten and I'm uh, really interested to see what's going forward but with that we're going to have bring in Brian to talk about Rutgers who I think has been sort of the story of the Big Ten the last couple weeks so we'll get into that thank you guys Hey everyone, we're we're back. Uh, as always, my name's Thomas Bendit here on the BT Powerhouse podcast. And joining us here, uh, we have a, a great guest. Brian Fonseca is is joining us. Um, he covers Rutgers basketball on a on a regular basis. Um, and we got him on the podcast here tonight to talk about what has been a very, very surprising turnaround. Um, to start off with, Brian, uh, if you want to just um, Give, give us, uh, our listeners, a little general background about you, your site, um, et cetera. And then if you want to just – any general thoughts you have, obviously a, a big win today for Rutgers over Minnesota. Yeah, so I, I'm – Brian Fonseca, as you said, I write for NJ.com, which is part of the Star Ledger, the, the biggest paper in uh, New Jersey. And uh, I've been covering Rutgers since I was a freshman at Rutgers in 2014. So I've kind of just been – following this team since uh, the end of the Eddie Jordan era to Steve Peichel, where they are now. And I've covered it from the student paper and worked my way up through the recruiting sites to, to this site. So uh, kind of followed a similar trajectory to Rutgers, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're playing, they're playing their butts off, frankly. And the thing is with entering the season, I think a lot of people expected it to be the year before the year where next year, mm-hmm. you know, you got, Geo Baker is a senior, and you got these guys, the core of the 2019 class of sophomores. That was going to be the year they break the, the drought. But, I mean, the way they're playing, I really think that we're at a point this season where it would be a surprise if Rutgers does not make the NCAA tournament. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I hate to do this. I feel like I'm always doing this with these Rutgers podcasts recently. Um, but I, I really think it does need some context to talk about, you know, the struggles of, you know, the Eddie Jordan era and where this program has sort of uh, come from. Um, I, be- I believe Rutgers has the longest NCAA sh- uh, drought in the Power Five dating back to 1991. Obviously, they've had the recent struggles uh, since they've joined the Big Ten. Can you just talk a little bit about how far of a rise this has been for the Scarlet Knights from a couple years ago when, um, you know, like it or not, they were sort of the laughing stock of the Big Ten and college basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's just monumental growth. I, I vividly remember covering a game, I think it was my first year on the beat, where Purdue went to the rack in January and won by 50, and it was just the place had maybe a quarter capacity and just so empty and people were frustrated and sad. And it really did look like the program was, was hopeless. Um, Eddie Jordan was a great guy. It just, it just didn't work out. I, I, Mm -hmm. I wasn't there long enough to tell you what happened, but it just obviously did not work out. And I think Steve really came in and injected this, his philosophy kind of fits to where the program was. Uh, No, high major kid was ever going to Rutgers. I think that's just mm-hmm. obvious. And he did what he does, what, what he seems to be a strength. You know, he finds these gems. He finds these kids who are under-recruited, who play in these off-brand tournaments, who he sees potential in. And really, just as cliche as it is, he gets them and he develops them and they fit his ideals, And which is playing really, really hard defense, playing smart basketball. And he's got them cohesive. He's ha- He has them believing. And, uh, yeah, I think the rise to the fact that it is insane how I'm having conversations with people on a daily basis about the NCAA tournament. That is mm-hmm. an unfathomable thought, unfathomable thought <laughs> for people even last year, you know, even the start of this, this, this year, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was walking out of the rack today talking to someone who works at Rutgers, and we had conversations going to the car for the past few seasons, and just we just looked at each other and all that. The fact that this isn't even a possibility is just insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I remember when Pico was an initially hired and I, you know, I thought he was a great guy for, for the spot Rutgers was in, which is just as you said, you know, Rutgers is not going to be able to go out there and get five stars. I mean, maybe that'll change in the next couple of years uh, with how, how things have come, but generally speaking, they weren't going to be able to get the blue chip type of guys, but he knew the area. He was going to get uh, a lot of those transfers, those types of players. And obviously he's built it up. And I thought, you know, the first step is always, uh, you know, you're losing big, lose small, then win close, and then go from there. And uh, But with that said, I, I did not expect them to take the step they did coming into this season. Uh, last season, they finished 14 and 17 overall, 78th on Ken Palm. Right now, they're 14 and 4. They already have as many wins as they did last year, uh, only through 18 games. They're up to 24th on Ken Palm. Very legitimately, they're they're going to get a lot of votes uh, for the top 25 on Monday. Um, what has been the difference this year? Because a, a lot of the rosters the same, um, but they did lose some key players during the offseason. So, I mean, is there anything you can put your finger on as far as what has been just the jump this year? They, I mean, first, the biggest thing is they have a legitimately elite defense. This mm-hmm. team plays elite, top-tier defense. Uh, that can match up with most teams in this country, which is pretty crazy considering the fact that how thin they are as far as quality depth up front. 
thought mm-hmm. that was going to be a huge issue this season. And Miles Johnson has been incredible. But, I mean, even Shaq Carter, who's the senior guy behind him, has been playing as, as well as you could have hoped for him. And Mamadou Decor plays good spot minutes when they need him. But Miles is really, really holding his own against some really good players. Played great against Oturu today. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like, these guys, the the class, the sophomore class that's in here now took a big jump. I mean, Caleb McConnell is a kid, for example, who Kate was a last-second addition, and people didn't really know what to expect. But the jump he's taken from the first game he played as a freshman to right now is just monumental. And that just goes to show, too, the, the development that the staff is bringing. I think, as I mentioned earlier, Pykele and his staff do a great job of developing these kids, and they, they are playing – very, very cohesive defense. I think the coaching staff does a great job, and I think this is something that's underrated, a great job of identifying team strengths and just min- just making that the hardest thing for them to do. They were great against Marcus Carr today. They, they, he had two points before two garbage threes at the, garbage time threes. Like That is a huge strength. I think the coaching staff is underrated. And uh, there's no one guy that they can depend on. There's no one... Geo Baker guy who, if he has an off night, Rutgers is going to lose. They have a, about six or seven guys who any given night can have their night, and then the supporting cast could carry it through. So a lot of a lot of surprising factors, a lot of things working well. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Rutgers got a bit of a lucky draw in the way the Big Ten schedule worked out. <laughs> their first 10 or so games are the lighter end of the, the conference, whereas the last 10 games are just... a gauntlet on the road and that's one area that Rutgers still has to prove itself it has to as good as it's been at home it hasn't proved that it can win a quality game on the road so that's the next step when they play Iowa on Wednesday if they win that game mm-hmm. I am full on board <laughs> they're going to make it into the double tournament they might even uh, get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament how crazy is that that I mean, it's it's remarkable. The rise has been nothing short of remarkable the last year or two. Um, and, and one thing I, I did want to comment on, because I, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the team, the balance. And, you know, I hate to pigeonhole college basketball or put basketball, you know, into this category. But we know, you know, today's game, it's, it's a lot about offense. It's a lot about putting up numbers. Um, I mean, we know college basketball has more transfers than ever. Um, I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's just reality. And to see a team like Rutgers where there is, to me, there is no star player on this team. It's super balanced. Uh, It's not extreme depth, as you mentioned, but a lot of bench players who get a lot of time. Um, You have this rotation and the commitment to defense how remarkable has that been to cover uh, a team that's just so balanced and so committed on, on that end of the floor? It makes it exciting knowing that you never really know who you're going to talk to after a game and who's going to be the story. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean, the, the defense, is it, it really is incredible to watch in person. I remember the first few games I covered under Peichel, it was night and day between the way they played under Eddie and the way they played under Steve. I think the biggest thing for him is effort. That's one thing that he demands of every player, and it really, really shows in just the way they play. They play so dang hard, and I can't emphasize that enough. So as long as you – there are teams that, that don't play to that level in college basketball, a lot of them, and I think if you're mm-hmm. able to get players to play that hard all the time, you're always going to have a chance because they're going to believe and they're going to fight until, you know, until the end. And that, that is, uh, I think, an underrated aspect. And, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's, it's the defense they play at times is 
is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, on Arturo, the guy has been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. So to hold him uh, semi in check, I mean, obviously he's still finished with 19 points, but still to hold him uh, even to that, uh, I, I think was a, a good outing for Rutgers. But um, one other thing I, I wanted to ask you on, you know, we've talked about this rise. It, you know, it's been a couple couple of years here under Pico. Um, it, are there any moments like a game or two that that have really stood out because uh, you know, we always get, I know this is kind of off track, but college football, you know, we always hear with Texas, Texas gets any big win, you know, Texas is back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, is there any win for you that to you stamped, you know, Rutgers is back. This team is back. They're good. Um, anything, any singular game or moment that, that really stood out for you? Uh, before I get into that, the O'Toole thing I want to mention that he did score sure. 19 points, but they, they were 19 really, really tough points. Mm-hmm. I think he got those 19 points because he's he's really, really good, right? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But to your point, uh, I think if you mean in the Pikele era in general, the mm-hmm. 2017 game against Seton Hall at home, they come back from, a, I think it was 13, a double-digit deficit in the second half. And that was the first whoa moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go to MSG and they have that nice Big Ten tournament run and, and people were pretty excited about that. But you never knew if that was a flash in the pan. And then you go to you go to this season. I mean, and again, last year they go to Iowa and just beat the brakes off of Iowa and Carver Hawkeye, which is, I mean, that was as stunning as a win as I've ever seen. Um, and then this season, frankly, I think the the Penn State win was surprising because that was like their first real test of is this team real? Penn State was playing really well. They were ranked. They were high off that Iowa win, and Rutgers just just dominated them at home and. It was the way they won that game that really caught me and I think a lot of people off guard in that Rutgers didn't have to nail and claw and, and fight to get this win. They beat Penn State badly. And they kept that going against Indiana. They kept that going today against Minnesota. So it's it's not just the fact that they're winning. They're, they're winning comfortably in these home games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's really – it's a big step too. I mean, this is something I don't know if a lot of fans appreciate, but – uh, you know, changing from the hunter to the hunted uh, is a big step. And Rutgers has performed so well as the favorite in a lot of these games. And um, I know writing some of these previews, it's it's odd to say, you know, Rutgers is favored against this team or that team. But they have been. They've deserved it. And frankly, they've backed it up. So, I mean, it's it's been a big step. Um, with that, of course, obviously, the big question on everybody's minds after today's win is moving forward. What to see? You mentioned how the schedule probably gets a little bit tougher moving forward. Um, what are you looking for in the next couple of weeks? And can this team get better? Or do you think this might be, they might regress a little bit over the next month or two? The biggest thing over the next stretch is Rutgers has two games. They absolutely have to win without a question, Nebraska and Northwestern at home. Rutgers mm-hmm. cannot afford to drop those games. And it's, it's, it's tough to, not overlook those teams at times, I can imagine. I'm sure uh, Tiger will be in their ear about not overlooking them, but it's, you know, it's human nature. You can't lose those games only because that is a resume killer and that would make need Rutgers to get another extra road win that they wouldn't otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I think they have, to win, they have to win a road game. They play Iowa on the road and Maryland on the road, and I've told people this for uh, most of this year. I don't think Rutgers will ever win at Maryland. I just 
the way they've been dominated there is it, it, I just don't think the Xfinity Center will ever let Rutgers win there. Um, but I do think they could win at the rack. That's another discussion for another day. But I'd like to see Rutgers go to Carver Hawkeye, go to Xfinity, put up a legit fight, and the they host Michigan at the Garden. That'll mm-hmm. be an interesting game. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think it, it's myself and and a, a lot of the Rutgers fans I speak to. The way that this program has been for the last few years, everyone's kind of just waiting to see when the other shoe will drop, when something will happen, yeah. when this run ends, right? But I guess what I'm looking for is how long Rutgers can sustain this. And I think I think a lot of people are waiting for them to prove that this is uh, like this is a legit, really really good team. A lot of people are convinced. I think I'm convinced of it, but I think you just got to see Rutgers continuing on this trajectory and not. Not and for example, if they lose at Iowa, how do they bounce back? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Just general them continuing with the momentum. Yeah, certainly. And and you know, I, I think the scary thing about the Big Ten this year is it's so ridiculously deep. And I know everybody, uh, every talking head in college basketball has been talking about that, but it really is just startling when you look at Rutgers' schedule moving forward. If you're a believer in Ken Palm. They only have two games against teams that are not uh, in the top. Illinois is the third weakest team they're going to play, who's 36th on Ken Palm, and I believe is second in the Big Ten standings right now. Uh, it's ridiculous. And that the scary thing about that is it's not hard to get a losing streak going. I mean, ask Michigan, ask Ohio State, uh, some of these other teams who they haven't lost a bad game, but uh, you slip up at all and, and it can start to pile on. So, I agree with you. I think that Nebraska game is really important, Northwestern. And then for Rutgers, if you win those two games, which are both at home, and you protect home court for the most part, even drop one or two, and I I think you're in good shape. Um, We'll have to see. I think the Big Ten is going to be really weird for the committee to evaluate this year just because it's so deep. I mean, 10 teams, maybe more, are in serious contention for a, a bid. So that'll be weird. Um, one thing I, I did want to ask, and I know Rutgers fans are not going to enjoy this question, but I think it does need to be asked. Um, have you, obviously this rise has been really significant. I mean, the odds makers, if you were betting right now, Rutgers would definitely be favored to make the tournament. Um, have you heard anything about Pico or Pico, excuse me, um, being a candidate for, for maybe some other openings this year? I mean, obviously he's going to become a pretty hot commodity if, if Rutgers pulls this off. Um, any thoughts on, on that front? Yeah, really quick on the – I think you mentioned a couple of great points. Um, not letting it slip is important because you look at a team like – for an example I, I like to point to people is Nebraska last year. They start off 13-4. Mm-hmm. and four. They're, they're ranked team, top 15 in Kempom, and then they lose – uh, 10 or 12 of their last 14 games and, and collapse out of the tournament. Yeah. So that's something that that's to be avoided. And again, with the committee evaluating the big 10, it, when you don't have a team, uh, a couple of teams that are dominating the league, it, it might start creeping in, you know, are any of these teams really good or is it just a lot of mediocre teams beating each other up? So that would be mm-hmm. fascinating. As far as Pykel, uh I don't have any concrete uh, information on that. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little early for that. I do yeah. agree with you that Rutgers fans are uh, uh, probably sweating every time this topic is brought up. <laughs> I think it will be an interesting offseason. I will say that I really do think Pykele, and I know every coach says that they love where they coach and this is the place they yeah. want to be and all that stuff, but I really do think Pykele likes Rutgers. I think he enjoys the challenge of building something 
And I don't think he would say that the build is done at Rutgers. I think this is the first step of what he hopes to be, uh, you know, maybe maybe similar to what he built at Stony Brook, you know, a, a program that consistently competes in the conference, and he'd want to see that out. Steve does not seem like the kind of guy who would jump out early on a project. Uh, that being said, obviously, if, if a team wants to swing around a giant money bag and throw tons of money at him that Rutgers can't compete with, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what happened in that situation. But in normal circumstances, I feel pretty confident and comfortable in saying that uh, Peichel will uh, turn down similar places to Rutgers if he has approached this offseason. But, again, I don't have any concrete information on that. That's more just my general feeling of being around the team and, and uh, interacting with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think one thing that uh, lends in favor of the, you know, likely not to leave uh, this off season, et cetera, is, you know, he's been in the area for, for a really long time. And I don't, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm missing one. I don't see a, a huge opening in the area uh, coming this off season. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, you never know <laughs> with today's game, obviously, but um I, I just I don't really think he's going to go out west or, or do something like that. That would be pretty surprising. So I tend to agree. I, I think he's going to be there for a, at least a little bit longer. So that should be exciting for fans, and, and we'll see what ends up happening. But, um, but Brian, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, before we let you go, any final thoughts on, on Rutgers, on the Big Ten in general, um, anything else? And then, again, if you, if you want to just plug your site and what you guys go, have going on right now. Sure. Yeah. I think one thought that I've had for a, a couple of weeks now is I think it's very funny to watch Rutgers fans. You know, we're, we're reporting on what they're doing, how well they're playing. We're talking about bracketology and AP top 25 <laughs> and NCAA tournaments. And I have fans tweeting at me, Brian, please stop. What are you doing? Relax. Calm down. <laughs> Don't look too far ahead. And it's like, guys, I, I know Pico and the players say they take it one game at a time because they have to. These Rutgers fans have been waiting decades for this to happen. They've been dreaming for NCAA tournament and Rutgers to be in the same sentence. And now they're not letting themselves enjoy where they are. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think fans should embrace where they are, enjoy the talk and engage in the talk because it's not going to, as much as fans like to think in superstition, and, and I, I get all that. I really do. I've been fans of teams and I totally get it. But I think the thing just, just enjoy what's going on and uh, take, it, take it in. I think, I think fans should appreciate it more. I think, um, I think Rutgers is changing a lot of people's minds in, as far as an athletic department. I mean, uh, this is a bit off topic, but with football, Shiano's really getting some momentum. And with the basketball program doing well, I think this is a good chance for Rutgers to show itself that it could be a legit program in the Big Ten where people have been saying since they joined they don't belong. Um, obviously it's really, really early for any, uh, big statements on that, but this is a, they're both sports are trying well. And I think it's a good chance right now for Rutgers to uh, make that point. Um, yeah. So again, I, I write for NJ.com, Star Ledger, uh, here in Jersey. My Twitter handle is a bit complicated. I'm going to say it really slowly. <laughs> so people know it's B R I A N N N N F. That is four N's, B-R-I-A-N-N-N-N-F. Uh, shoot me a follow there if you're interested in Rutgers basketball. I try to get as much content on there as I can. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean seriously, I, I, like I said, I really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's really an honor. I, I read your stuff all the time. So 
Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate, yeah, we appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, I'm just before you, I let you go, I am going to echo the thoughts. Rutgers fans, enjoy this. Um, you know, if you follow T-Rank, which is sort of a Pepsi to Coke comparison to Ken Palm, kind of a, another <laughs> site out there that, that does it. Um, right now, his turning cast has Rutgers with a 96.9% chance of making the field. Um I'm not saying to you know sell your house on it or something, but um, you, you should feel good about where you're sitting and enjoy the ride because odds are Rutgers is going to have its name called on Selection Sunday. So exciting, exciting stuff. Um, thanks again for joining us, and we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, definitely check out Brian. Appreciate it, Thomas. So obviously a, a lot of great things there from Brian uh, joining us to chat about Rutgers, a little about the Big Ten and where things might be headed in the months, well, I guess the weeks and months to come. But with that, that'll be the podcast this week. A lot of great games on the slate this week. It should be a lot of fun. And honestly, we'll see. I'll probably look like an idiot for saying this in a week's time, but I think this is going to be a week where we're going to start to see things settle down a little bit. We're going to start to see a a few divides. But, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast extensively, it's really hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. So uh, we'll have to see. But with that, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the BT Powerhouse podcast, as well as the editor-in-chief of BT Powerhouse, powered by SB Nation. Check out btpowerhouse.com. We have the power rankings up. we got previews, recaps of all of this week week's action. Uh, Make sure to check it out and thank you all for joining us. We appreciate it. Have a great week.